Welcome. I'm Jessica Ward. I'm Luca Lucarini. And I'm Elon Levy. And together, we are your hosts for the Health Podcast Series brought to you by Dentons. These sessions will cover various topics in the health tech, life sciences, and healthcare sectors, and aims to provide you with small segments that you can listen to on the go. You can find our episodes at dentons.com on our podcast page. There you can access our episodes as well as a description for each topic and information on our speakers. And now over to our podcast topics and speakers. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with Eleni Kasari, the lead for Denton's Employment and Labor Law Group in Vancouver. She'll be speaking on issues related to employers implementing mandatory vaccination, testing at employment sites, and employees' rights regarding these procedures. Eleni, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Luca. Glad to be here. So my first question is, maybe you could just give us a sense of kind of what you see happening in the industry with respect to mandatory vaccination policies and mandatory testing requirements. Sure thing. Um, what we've been seeing uh, across the country, really, and, and elsewhere in the world as well, but, you know, focusing on Canada, we really have been ramping up. Most businesses, most industries are really implementing mandatory vaccination protocols for their workplaces. So they're requiring their employees to, you know, provide proof of vaccination and also, you know, commit to getting vaccinated if they haven't yet been fully vaccinated, um, subject to any reasonable exemptions that may apply. As far as testing goes, we're seeing a, a bit of a mix. Some, some clients have never really implemented testing. It, it hasn't really gained a foothold in Canada unless we're talking about large employers with um, a lot of in-person personnel. So for example, a number of uh, construction projects, major projects have implemented testing protocols and have had them for many months. Now what we're seeing is a move towards two types of mandatory vaccination policies, either just a full on, you have to be vaccinated if you want to come to work, or a combination of if you're not a vaccination policy and if you choose not to be vaccinated or not to disclose your vaccination status, then you have to commit to this testing protocol. And a lot of clients that I've had experience with are implementing a testing protocol of you need to have a negative test once a week, for example. But we are seeing it basically to some degree across all industries in, in all aspects of, of Canadian work life. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not surprising. So, I mean, I guess for those, you know, businesses that have implemented kind of mandatory vaccination policy, you know, category number one, what kind of refusals have you been seeing for employers that have implemented those kinds of mandatory policies? Sure. I mean, re refusals have really have really run the gamut and are, and are not dissimilar to what we were seeing early in the pandemic regarding those who objected to wearing masks. You know, we, we hear it all. I have rights. I have privacy rights. You can't force me to disclose it. That's medical information. I shouldn't have to tell you um, whether or not I'm vaccinated. Um, I can't be vaccinated because of a medical reason or a lot of people are you know, have personal beliefs of they shouldn't have to be vaccinated because the vaccines aren't properly tested and, and a lot of things that come from, from misinformation from the internet, quite frankly. 
But for the most part, we're now seeing um, requests for medical exemptions or religious exemptions. Uh, you know, other times we hear people say the Charter of Rights. I have, I have, I have rights, constitutional rights. Um, you know, private sector employers aren't subject to the charter. That's a, a public sector issue. Um, and what I've seen is, is you can coach some, I've been coaching a lot of employers and, and helping them provide explanations for the legal underpinning to these policies so that they could say to their employees, you know, what we're doing is not illegal. <laughs> um, this is for legitimate business purposes, like increasing safety in the workplace and try to convince employees to see it a different way. And that's worked to some degree, but um, it doesn't work with, with the true anti-vaxxer. The true anti-vaxxer is, is not going to easily agree to get vaccinated pursuant to your employer policy. So we've been seeing a number of things and a willingness to fight these policies and challenge them, um, which ultimately will lead to the employer needing to implement some form of discipline with respect to enforcement of their policies. Right, um, and, and we'll get back to the the discipline piece in a moment. I guess, you know, are there um, legitimate grounds upon which an employer would have to accommodate this kind of request? I mean, I'm interested in knowing kind of what that, it sounds like it's a kind of narrow, narrow realm, but I'd be interested to know, you know, if there is ever a duty to accommodate someone who, uh, you know, refuses to get a vaccine in, and what the kind of parameters are for when an employee might get uh, such an exemption from a vaccine mandate. Sure, and I think for a vaccine mandate to be lawful, it does need to incorporate accommodation principles and account for accommodation under human rights legislation. You know, it's, it's important to have a plan for accommodating legitimate reasons. And, and what are those legitimate reasons? So there will be a small percentage of the population that has a, medical, a medically valid reason for not being able to be vaccinated. I've had a few clients that had employees with, you know, bona fide doctor's records showing that they have specific allergies to some of the components that are in the vaccines. And, you know, they're, they're taking a wait and see approach with their medical professionals about when they might be able to get vaccinated and when it might be safe to do so. And, and that has, you know, it, it, it usually looks real. When, when it's real, it usually looks real when, when the paperwork's presented. And, those clients have accommodated those employees. Now, sometimes the accommodation will be continue to work from home if it's a work from home job. Other times the accommodation, um, if it's capable of work from home, I should say. Other times the accommodation will be, okay, um, we need you to have more protective measures. We need you to commit to wearing your mask and social distancing and, and testing once a week to make sure that you know, it's, it's safe for you to be coming into the workplace unvaccinated. So there are, there, are, there are going to be legitimate reasons for a medical exemption from a vaccine mandate. The other examples that we're seeing are um, religious objections. Um, here, it becomes a little bit more interesting because to be honest, I haven't yet seen a valid religious objection. Um, the objections have not been based on necessarily connecting tenets of a particular religion to a prohibition by that religion to get vaccinated, which I think would be something that an employer would have to accommodate under human rights laws. Instead, what we're seeing is people's opinions that, for example, God does not want them to be vaccinated, 
or a preference not to be vaccinated because of their, their personal beliefs, whether they're faith-based or otherwise. And here is where I would say you don't need to accommodate those individuals. And the reason for that is our human rights laws in Canada and every province has made it clear that you do not have to accommodate preferences, only protected grounds. So religion is recognized, you know, political belief is recognized in many provinces. In Ontario, for example, they recognize creed. Um, in BC, they recognize political belief. But these, these grounds, your accommodation requests need to be formulated on protected grounds. Disability, if you have a medical exemption, is protected. But preferences are not protected. And I think the clearest statement about this issue is in the recently published policy statement from the Ontario Human Rights Commission, which is consistent with other positions in human rights tribunals and commissions across Canada, where it says as follows about mandatory vaccine policies and vaccine certificates and whether or not you have to accommodate preferences. So this policy statement says the OHRC and relevant human rights laws recognize the importance of balancing people's right to non-discrimination and civil liberties with public health and safety, including the need to address evidence-based risks associated with COVID-19. Receiving a COVID-19 vaccine is voluntary at the same time that OHRC's position is that a person who chooses not to be vaccinated based on personal preference does not have the right to accommodation under the code. The OHRC is not aware of any tribunal decision that found a singular belief against vaccination or masks amounted to a creed within the meaning of the code. Even if a person could show they were denied a service or employment because of a creed-based belief against vaccinations, the duty to accommodate does not necessarily require they be exempted from vaccine mandates, certification, or COVID testing requirements. The duty to accommodate can be limited if it would significantly compromise health and safety amounting to undue hardship, such as a, during a pandemic. So I do think that it's important to, for employees to have, employers, excuse me, to evaluate um, an accommodation request. And when it's bona fide and comes within the parameters of a protected ground under the human rights code to then accommodate that person. The fact of the matter is most requests for accommodation will not be bona fide under human rights legislation. And unfortunately, um, it'll be difficult to determine which ones on, other than the medical exemptions, which I think, you know, you can tell the difference between a real medical note and a fake one or a manufactured one. Um, the religion or political belief or other protected ground will be challenging for employers to navigate on their own and they need to evaluate them probably with some legal counsel and consider whether they're legitimate and to the extent they aren't they do not have to accommodate that person uh, thanks well that that's all really good to know i guess just going back to the piece about the kind of medical exemptions i mean are, are employers in a situation where they can legitimately kind of distinguish between what you have called a manufactured doctor's note and um, a legitimate one. I mean, what what are without you know without straying into the realm of trying to give legal advice on the spot? I mean, what are the kind of considerations that would help an employer actually make that dis that distinction? Sure. I mean, I think a doctor's note that said, I mean, I haven't been seeing this from the medical professionals, um, which is good. They haven't been giving these types of doctor's note, but you know, employers are well familiar with a sick leave of absence where where 
the doctor's note comes in and just says, I'm sick for three months, um, can't come to work. And, you know, accommodation does is a two-way street. You're allowed as an employer to ask for information about prognosis for return to work, for example, in the sick leave case. A medical vaccination exemption is just binary. You either can get vaccinated or you can't. And if the doctor's note came in saying can't get vaccinated, I would say that to the employer, my client, that that's not sufficient and that they can push back with the employee and say, well, we need more information as to why you can't get vaccinated if you want this exemption. And the reason has to sound reasonable. And if they get a reason that doesn't sound reasonable or they're not sure, um, they can consult with legal counsel or consult with um, independent medical legal advice, which many employers have an infrastructure for through benefits providers um, in order to do that for other accommodation purposes. So I think it would be okay and, and reasonable to try to get that kind of consulting help um, if there is a real live issue as to whether the medical, medical exemption is reasonable. Okay, well, that's good to know. Okay, so you know, imagine we're in a situation where you've got an employee, they've refused to disclose their vaccination status, you know, you've done the analysis and you've, the employer has found that there's no duty to, to accommodate, you know, what, what are we looking at in terms of what an employer can do in terms of, of discipline towards that particular employee? Yeah, and I mean, no one wants to have to go there, but unfortunately, policies are meaningless if they're not enforced. So at the end of the day, if there's no duty to accommodate and someone's refusing just for the sake of refusing or because it's their preference, then employers are entitled to discipline those employees. And, you know, forms of discipline can take different forms, but I would encourage all employers to create a consistent approach um, to dealing with different circumstances and, and be transparent about what occur. I've had a lot of success when employees say, well, what, what are you going to do to me if you don't get, if I don't get vaccinated? And when they're told that, you know, if ultimately you continue to refuse after a given time to get vaccinated, we have to separate from employment, for example, many go and get vaccinated because they prefer to keep their job. Um, so it really depends on the circumstances. But at the end of the day, there's a number of things that employers um, might choose to do. They can, you know, some have just gone straight to termination, which I'll talk about a little bit. Um, others have said, okay, well, we want you to take some time to think about it, and we'd like you to take a leave of absence. Now, a leave of absence is considered a form of discipline because it's not necessarily um, something that employers can just do unilaterally. Um, but many have been doing it. But when, if you choose to do go that route, you have to be concerned about triggering potential constructive dismissal. So for example, I know in Ontario, employers are utilizing the leave of absence mechanism in line with the COVID-19 leave provisions and the Employment Standards Act there to avoid triggering a termination prematurely and to give people a chance to consider their options um, and hopefully change their mind and go get vaccinated. That may not work in all provinces. Um, I don't think it works in my province in BC um, because I think it would trigger a termination unless a layoff provision was incorporated in the terms of employment. Um, but you can still say, you know, if you need some time to think about it, you can use vacation time or take unpaid time off. You know, what would you like to do? And if the employee chooses to take some time off to think about the matter, then I don't think you're triggering a constructive dismissal. 
But at the end of the day, you're going down a path ultimately to terminate someone. If the refusal sticks, you have to consider, okay, what am I gonna do with this person? I guess I have to terminate them. And now the question turns to, is that going to be a with cause termination um, for insubordination or for failure to follow policies? Or will that be a without cause termination? Now, I'd like to be able to tell everyone that if your worker refuses to comply with your vaccination policy, you can just fire them for cause. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not sure that an adjudicator would necessarily disentitle someone from notice requirement, from getting notice or severance pay um, for simply not wanting to get vaccinated. You know, this was not necessarily a condition of employment um, when they were hired. Um, you can make it a condition for new hires, which would make termination easier if, if it turned out to be that they were hired and weren't vaccinated. But for, for your existing workforce, it will be difficult, I think, to legitimately say that you have cause for termination. The safer approach would be to terminate without cause and pay out an appropriate notice period or severance pay in order to um, avoid litigation over whether or not there was cause to terminate under your policy. Um, and that way you can just, it's a cost of doing business. You have a policy that you want to stand behind. And unfortunately, you probably have to incur some costs associated with severance and separation. Well, um, thanks, Eleni. This, is, this has all been uh, extremely interesting and informative. I can tell that you're knee deep in these issues. Uh, I, can, I can only imagine. You said it. <laughs> Yeah, it is, it is daily right now that I think employment lawyers and labor lawyers all over the country are dealing with these matters. It, it is daily. Um, I was on a call with a client just before we started um, talking uh, about this very issue. So it's, it's happening. It's happening in real time. The different provincial governments and federal governments are more and more um, public servants are being required to be vaccinated, which I think is um, giving courage and emboldening the private sector as well to follow suit. So I think that this will be a very common occurrence in Canada shortly. Okay, great. Well, let's leave it at that. And Eleni, thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks so much for joining us again today. Our speakers from this podcast episode or any other professional in our group would be pleased to speak with you on today's topic or any other topic related to our topic. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for other episodes. Dentons is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice, and you should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Please see dentons.com for legal notices.